Well, thank you once again for being here. We're glad that you're able to join us this morning. Good job on turning your clock uh, back, or maybe you meant to be at the 9.30, I'm not sure, but um, we're glad to, to have you here this morning. Um, we, we are in the midst of a series with this Lenten season called Renovation. We're using the, the analogy of, of renovating a home as to the work that we're called to do spiritually during Lent. Uh, Lent, historically, you go early church, early Christian church, uh, the, the time, this time of the year was used for catechism or instruction on, on the faith. You, you, you came and you learned about your faith over this time. And then on Easter Sunday, new members were brought into the church. You were baptized and new members were brought into the church on Easter. Uh, some, some, uh, some practice, some still practice that. Uh, we, we've sort of moved it to just a, a time of, of self-examination, right? If you think of it sort of like your medical annual physical, it's, it's that annual spiritual test to say, am I living a life that reflects what I say I believe? It, it, is my faith walk in, in line with the rhetoric that I use and, and the belief statements that, that I claim. And let me just be honest with you. Every single one of us have weaknesses and blind spots in our walk that we need to address, right? Just like in a, in a, in a doctor's uh, appointment, uh, there's some things that you can be feeling great and there can be something going on uh, underneath the surface that you need an x-ray or an MRI or some kind of blood test to, to point out. Uh, and you need to know that stuff so that you don't get caught with the, with the growing uh, sickness uh, that affects your body. And it's the same spiritually. There are times where cancerous cells are attacking our heart and our mind, our practices that we need to, to give up or move past. And, and that's where, that's where we are in this is, is that honest holding up. I, I hope through these weeks that you're challenged to, to question, uh, who you are and what, what, what you prioritize in your life. Uh, as we've been going through this, we started week one that, uh, you know, renovating a home is so displacing and so inconvenient, uh, that you, you, you really have to sort of get fed up before you're willing to do it. Right. There has to be a discontent in order to have the motivation to move forward. And 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 that uh, I, I'm not praying against you, but I've been praying for our church to have a, a, a hunger for the spirit and a thirst for the for for the presence of God that's unquenched except by his presence. Right. Uh, that 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 holy discontent rises up in us to say, you know what, we need to move closer. We need we need to do something else. And then we talked about once you, once you get there, one of the first stages is tearing down and tearing out, right? And so we talked about that, that sometimes there's practices and, and belief systems and, and things that we, we put our trust in, but they're not worthy and they don't bear the weight of Jesus, that Jesus is our foundation. And that's, we need to tear it down to that and so that we can begin to build up. And that's where we are this morning. After tearing down, you begin to build them and create something new out of what was. And, and that's where we're headed this morning. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, young man, called by God to offer a hard word to God's people. Um, as we 
turn there. I'll be in chapter one. This first paragraph has a whole bunch of names. I'm just going to pretend like I can pronounce them. So here we go. These are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests from the town of Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. The Lord first gave messages to Jeremiah during the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. The Lord's messages continued throughout the reign of King Jehoiakim, Josiah's son, until the 11th year of the reign of King Zedekiah, another one of Josiah's sons. In August of that 11th year, the people of Jerusalem were taken away as captives. I'm going to pause there for just a minute. This is the entrance. It's telling us about the call of Jeremiah, who he served at, and, and he, they, they give away what happened after his preaching. Uh, they, they give it away in the, in the opening. Jeremiah is one of the last voices to the, the Jewish nation turn to God. Over and over, as you read the, 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 the prophets, they're all calling the people back to God. You have all forgotten who is your master. You, you only have the form of religion. You don't have the heart of the Father. And, and you have ignored the needs of the, of the poor. You have ignored the needs of children and widows. You are not living up to who uh, I've called you to be. And if you continue to rebel against me, I'm going to withdraw my hand. And, uh, and you're going to be defeated uh, by other nations and carried off into other countries. And what was once a proud nation is going to be tattered and torn. Listen to me. And already we know here that at, at, at the end of Jeremiah's prophecy time, they were carried off into other countries because they didn't listen. They hadn't listened before and they don't listen then. And we still don't listen now. We still rebel against God. We're on the other side of the Jesus event where we have even more uh, evidence and experience of God's love and his, and his power and his mercy and his kindness and his grace. We have even more experience of it. And yet we function as if we are in charge of our own life. We still don't love the way we're supposed to love. We still are enraptured with the form of religion without the heart of God. If, if, if you want to know my personal feeling of the biggest challenge of the modern Christian church, it's because we have, it, it is that we have settled for comfortable rather than gospel. We have settled for what's convenient rather than what, what is truth. And in that, we've given our heart away to the enemy. And that's the people that Jeremiah was going to be talking with, hard-headed church people. I might be one of them. The Lord gave me this message. This is Jeremiah. The Lord gave me this message. Verse four. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. 
Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And the Lord said, don't say I'm too young. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then the Lord reached out, touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some of you are going to root, uproot and tear down, destroy another and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Then the Lord said to me, look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I replied, I see a branch from an almond tree. And the Lord said, that's right. And it means that I am watching and I will certainly carry out all of my plans. And then the Lord spoke to me again and asked, what do you see now? And I replied, I see a pot of boiling water spilling from the north. Yes, the Lord said, for terror from the north will boil out on the people of this land. Listen, I am calling the armies of the kingdoms of the north to come to Jerusalem. I, the Lord, have spoken. And they will set their thrones at the gates of the city. And they will attack its walls and all the other towns of Judah. I will pronounce judgment on my people for their evil for deserting me and burning incense to other gods. Yes, they worship idols made with their own hands. Get up and prepare for action. Go out and tell them everything I tell you to say. Do not be afraid of them or I will make you look foolish in front of them. For see, today I have made you a strong, I have made you strong like a fortified city that cannot be captured. Like an iron pillar or a bronze wall, you will stand against the whole land, the kings, officials, priests, and people of Judah. They will fight you but they will fail for I am with you and I will take care of you. I, the Lord have spoken. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I I love the Jeremiah story. Jeremiah, young man, young man uh, called to bring difficult news, a difficult world to a culture that number one was uh, in, in as bad of mess as we are now in our culture with as many screwed up priorities and political infighting and a uh, and, and a religion that was more of an ancestry than a, a, a worshiping of God. A, a, a culture that, that valued uh, mature elder folks and wisdom. And here they're calling a young man to go and deliver this news. And right up front, Jesus, uh, the, the, God says to him, and it's going to be hard. And they're going to come at you and they're going to come hard. Right? Uh, I, over the last couple of months, uh, in the Board of Ordained Ministry, we've been doing interviews and stuff. And I was just, as I was reading this, I was thinking uh, if this was our recruiting speech to young pastors, right? And in a lot of ways it is. Uh, but, but when, you know, in Methodist Church, you get sent, right? I didn't choose you. I got sent here. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm welcome too. But, right? So, if you sat down with young pastors and said, okay, I have a job for you. I need you to go to this place where nobody's going to like you. They're going to question everything you say. They're going to parse every little word that comes out of your mouth. They're going to talk about you at lunch every Sunday. And they are going, some of them are going to write petitions to get rid of you. And they're going to be horrible. Who's in? 
In the other, in the other service, the, the Girl Scouts were sitting in the front row and a little Girl Scout raised her hand. <laughs> Which, I mean, with all this revival stuff that's going on, God's calling out to a generation that's about to do some amazing things. And I believe her. She probably is willing to do that. But most of us wouldn't, right? We, we, we would back away from that. We, we, and and you, we're, we're thinking to ourselves, man, I'm glad I'm not called to do something like that. But hmm, I beg to differ. You, you don't have to be a pastor or a prophet or a religious leader in order to have a call to service. Again, we're on the other side of the Jesus event where God won for his people the right, the ability to have a relationship with the Heavenly Father through him. He established a new kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, and is building that kingdom in place right now. And we have the privilege and honor to be invited to be hands and feet and slaves to Christ in that kingdom to help build the kingdom in our midst, to make it like heaven on earth, even here and now. Every one of us is called into this ministry. If you call yourself by the name of Jesus Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, there is a call on your life. It sounds like this in the New Testament. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them all the things that I told you. And remember, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Or, or, or be a light on the hill. Be the salt of the earth. Love your neighbors as yourself. Love one another the way that I have loved you. We have this call to a difficult ministry in the midst of a dark world in the midst of difficult situations to a world that's going to reject many of the stands that Christianity asks us to take. See, this is, this is where we struggle when, when Christianity becomes like culture. We're no longer salt and light. We're part of the problem instead of the answer. We're called. You're called. Every one of us is called into ministry. And Jesus warned you it's not going to be easy. In the, in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. In John 16, in this world you'll suffer many troubles, but take heart, I've conquered the world. Over and over again, he's told us, follow me. But in, the ki- in building the kingdom, in order to do that, we have to give up ourselves. If you want to live for Christ, you have to die for yourself. If you want to gain your life, you must first lose it. You have to pick up your cross, deny yourself daily, and follow Him. That's the call that is on each and every one of our hearts. It's not to a life of convenience. It's not that fits your schedule. It's not that, that matches what you're already doing so that you don't need to change anything. It's a high calling. Matthew 5, 48, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. It is a high calling. 
And just like Jeremiah, have you noticed in biblical stories, there's so many times when God calls somebody to do something and they come back with a but. Right? Moses, Moses, I want you to leave my people out of of Egypt. Uh, but, 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 But I can't, I stutter. Well, I didn't ask you because your speaking ability. I'm going to take care of you, Moses. I just need you to obey. And Jeremiah has a similar one. Oh, sovereign Lord, verse 6. Oh, sovereign Lord, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. They're never going to listen to me. I'm just a snot-nosed kid. Who's going who's to take me seriously? And besides this message that you have for me, I'm not sure I want to put myself in that place. I'm too young. What does God say? Don't say you're too young. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be, I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth. Right? But I can't. What, what's your excuse of why you're not living the life God's called you to? We all have them, right? I told you at the beginning of this series, I'm going to step on your toes sometimes. Let's, let's, let's stop pretending that you don't have one and you're doing it perfectly, right? All of us, we have blind spots and things we need. So what's, what's your excuse? I'm too old. I'm too busy. I don't like kids. I don't like people. My golf game needs some work, <laughs> right? What, what, what is it that gets in your way? And, and at the heart of it, for most of us, our excuses were related to our own self-perceived weakness, right? Uh, the, the, the thing in us that thinks, that makes us think we're not prepared for the work that God is calling us to. Yesterday, we did a, a funeral for a young man, um, one of Spencer Thomas's classmates. And uh, um, before the service, Spencer and I were talking, and, and Spencer uh, is a licensed local pastor, uh, which is, a, is one of the pathways into leadership in the church. And last year, he took a two-week crash course on leading churches. And now he'll be taking his seminary classes uh, uh, piece by piece moving forward. Uh, But as we were getting ready for the service, he he said, you know what? Uh, In that licensed local pastor school, I don't think, I feel like they didn't prepare me for funerals well enough. And especially not for a funeral with a classmate or my grandma. And I said, well, I went to seminary for three years and I didn't feel prepared either. And, and, and I, I shared this story with my first, my first funeral. I was appointed to Los Fresnos down in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, you get appointed in June, uh, end of June, early July, uh, when it's so beautiful outside in the Rio Grande Valley, like 129 degrees or whatever. Um, one of the town matriarchs passed away right? Somebody that everyone knew. And she was a member of that church. She'd been ill, so I didn't really know her. 
uh, the parsonage was right across from the church. And I, I, I'd gotten the church ready and then I went across to change clothes. And as I come back out, people are spilling out of the doorway and standing in the heat uh, just to pay tribute to this lady. And they're there 30 minutes early. And I think to myself, I've never done a funeral before. And I have no idea what to say. And I remember I went in my office. We were still pretty, my office was still in boxes. And my office is always still in boxes until my wife comes in and organizes me. But there's still boxes. And I remember I just went in and I I, I just knelt down at, at, at my desk and cried. And said, God, I don't know what to say. I'm going to make an idiot out of myself. And I remember just hearing clearly, the Lord said, I just need you to share your heart. I'll take care of the words. I'll take care of the words. Jeremiah, after his objection, God did the same thing for him. Says he reached out and touched his mouth and said, look. I have put my words in your mouth. Today, I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you're going to uproot or tear down, destroy or overthrow. Others you must build up. You must build up and plant. That, that prayer in my office was foundational for my ministry. It reflects the way I prepare for preaching. It reflects the way I try to to go about my ministry. It's not that I don't prepare and it's not that I don't read. But when I stand up, if if, if I don't have a word from God, I don't have anything to say. And that can be a scary place until you figure out that God always, always shows up to accomplish his purposes. Always. He never calls you to do anything that he's not going to equip you for. Now, it may not be in your strength area, but that's one of those kingdom values. God works better in your weakness than he does in your strength. Why? Because there you're relying on him. And in that no that you say to God, and in that reason why you can't do what he's asking you to do, or you can't stand in that place that he's asking you to stand. And folks, I'm not talking, when I'm talking ministry, I'm not talking about starting a nonprofit or, or some big thing. God is glorified in the tiniest of details in our life. Your ministry may be to be the, the voice of God in your family or to your grandchildren, or to the the people in your office, or the people in your community. That's the place that he's calling you to stand. That's the place he's asking you to make disciples, to teach other people what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you feel like you didn't have enough education, I don't know enough Bible, I don't know enough, well, perfect, you're perfectly qualified. Because God's not asking you to do it on your own. He'll do it for you. Before the Great Commission in Matthew 28 came the giving of the Holy Spirit when Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, I leave you a gift. It's his spirit that leads us. 
This ministry thing that we do, this ministry thing that we're called to cannot be done by human human action. It takes divine influence. He'll accomplish the purpose he has for you. The hard part is stepping back and allowing it because we're such, we're such control freaks, right? But this, this is that upside down kingdom value. If you want to gain your life, you must first lose it so that you can have everything, right? And, and, and here's the deal. Once you, once you experience God showing up in a, in, in a place like that, there is nothing that feels like that. To, to just, it, it, it feels like being held by a spirit, right? That, he, that he, he's just like he's holding you like a, a, a mother does with her, her child, that he's just got you there safe and secure. And once you've experienced it, then you long for that, Right? And he's inviting every one of us into one of the, every one of you has unique gifts that he's given. That's what spiritual gifts are all about. It's how he is, he is equipping you to be able to do the work that he's calling you to. And I don't know what your particular calling is, but I'm sure you do. You've been nudged by the Holy Spirit over and over again. And again, it's not, oh, I have to sell everything and move to Africa. If that's what he's calling you to do, then do it. But maybe it's, I I, I need to tell my grandkids about my faith or something like that. And it's, it's scary. And you're not sure how you're going to make it happen. Maybe it's at work. There's some unethical things that are happening. And God's asking you to be the voice of morality and to say, wait a minute, that doesn't reflect who we are. Stand up. That's how we build up the kingdom. Our job is in concert with Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit is to build that kingdom, uh, that, that kingdom that Jesus has established, is to build that kingdom to make heaven as crowded as we can by bringing as many people as we can to know him. That is our calling. And he will do the work in and through you. There's a women's Bible study happening on Wednesday mornings right now through Lent about um, uh, telling your story, right? Stepping up or uh, it's telling your story. And in that, it's just a reminding of one another that, you know what? You have everything you need to be an effective witness for Christ. If we're just willing to give God the space, he'll show up. It's amazing. He He always... He always does. Get up, prepare for action. Go out and tell them everything I told you to say. Do not be afraid of them or I will make you look foolish in front of them. For see, today I have made you, a, I have made you strong like a fortified city that cannot be captured, like an iron pillar or a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land, the kings, officials, priests, people of Judah. They will fight you, but they will fail. For I am with you and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. In these dark times in which we live, the world needs, needs called 
Christians, passionately called Christians, willing to to speak out in difficult ways, not to be jerks, not not to not remember we're sharing good news. <laughs> But it takes a boldness to bring truth in the midst of darkness. And this, this culture desperately is, is crying out for that. And I, and I think we're seeing signs of how, how, how uh, he's calling a new generation, the, the Gen Zs. And you're, you're seeing a stirring of his spirit there. And, and maybe it's because uh, our generation got too comfortable and too lazy. And there really is, like that little Girl Scout in the last service, there really is a generation of young people, just like Jeremiah, willing to raise their hand and say, I'll do it for you. Tell me where to go. I'm on, I'm on the way. And maybe, maybe part of the ministry in the other service, Spencer said, old people like David. I thought, I, I, I'm one of the young ones in this church, but come on. Maybe... Maybe for us old people, part of our ministry is to encourage the next generation. Maybe we need to be the ones that build the fortified wall around them to share the good news for them, to equip them so that as they go into the schools. I I, I was talking to some teenagers this last week and folks, Schools are so much different than when we went. They're, they're, oh, it's horrible. And our kids, our kids, and God bless the, the, the kids of Christian families that go in as a light. But we're called to difficult times to stand strong and trust God. That's what revival looks like. That's what spiritual health looks like. I know they're coming for me, but I know God's got me and he'll take care of me. Why don't you pray, bow with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, number one, we just, we lay on the altar the fact that we aren't, we, we just haven't been operating with the passion that you call us to. We, we, we've, been, we've been going through the motions. And leaning on traditions. And we, in the meantime, we've missed the movement of your spirit and the call on our lives. But God, it's never too late. We're always just a, a, a decision away from being exactly in the middle of your of your will. And that's what we're praying for, God, that you would you would just put a burden in our heart for your presence, for your lordship, for your heart. That we don't just rail against the darkness, but we shine as a light on top of a hill in the midst of the darkness that we don't get swallowed up by culture, but we infect culture with your love. 
that we, that we swim upstream and we do things that other people wouldn't. We, that we pray for our enemies and love them instead of hate them. That we fight, fight for the marginalized and the poor that we, we stand up for justice and tear down injustice. God, would you, I know you've already given us everything you need, we need, but fill us with your spirit. Call us over and over again. And for that privilege and honor of walking with you, we give you thanks. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. In Philippians, Paul, he's talking about, you know, he was a Pharisee and had the bloodline and the pedigree and stuff. And he says, you know, all of that I used to think was important. I don't think that's important anymore. All I think is important is serving Christ. That's that's what I want to do. And 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 I'm I'm all in on that. And he said, if I, I just want to join in the suffering of Christ. The suffering of Christ. I want it to cost something because it costs Jesus everything to win my salvation. So if I'm called to suffer on his behalf, count me in. This Christian thing we're called to isn't easy, but God is with you and it is joyful though. May we, may we answer the call just like Jeremiah did to a difficult call in the midst of difficult times, but in the presence of a good God. Amen. Amen.